Welcome back to part two of our episode 18 series on the journey of a Balchuva, Zach Summers. Amazing and incredible story. If you haven't yet listened to part one, make sure to go back and listen to that part first before you uh, go ahead and listen to this episode as it is a continuation and really builds upon what we've discussed in the previous episode. Also, make sure to stay till the very end of this episode as there is an update that took place after the recording that I am happy and excited to share with you guys. For this episode, we have partnered with another one of the programs at Olami, the SHAR program here in Farakaway, New York. The SHAR program is a introductory yeshiva program here in the Farakaway and Five Towns community, which is dedicated to bringing the joy and knowledge of Torah study and Torah observance to secular Jewish students, and young professionals. I have personally been involved with the Shar and some of their learning programs and events that take place in the community, and it is such a tremendous asset to have the Shar with us. They dive in, in my shul uh, every Shabbos, and they really enhance and provide such a great dimension to the Five Towns of Farakway community, and I'm so grateful to be involved with them. And on that note, there's also an upcoming uh, Olami Summit Mentor Program, which is going to be held in the New York metro area. Basically, people, students from all over the world are coming to New York City and the greater tri-state area between May 16th and May 23rd. Um, and there is going to be the opportunity to learn one-on-one with people from the five towns of Farakway community. Um Mir Tashem, really, really looking forward to that. I've uh, attended one of those events in the past and am looking forward to doing so again. I would like to announce the winner of our second giveaway here in season two of a Rolling with the Punches limited edition sweatshirt. The winner goes to Yassi Hecht, someone who is an incredible friend and an incredible individual. He himself has uh, an organization that he has created called Asher to the Yatsar. I encourage all of you guys to check out his work. And I want to thank all of you who helped circulate previous episodes as well as left reviews on your podcast platforms or rated at five stars. I can't think of something that motivates and encourages me more than getting your feedback having people share the episode with other people and reading your reviews. So please, if you have not yet done so, take a moment right now. We'll do a three-second pause. Go ahead and rate us five stars, leave us a review, and please send this episode to anyone and everyone that may be interested in hearing. Finally, I did get an email um, after releasing the part one of this episode of someone who reached out and said just how inspiring they found Zach's story to be, um, and they happen to have known Zach. And one of the takeaways that they had from Zach's story, which I think you'll further appreciate as you listen to this episode, is how it highlights how one can climb out of even the lowest steps 
and reach such tremendous heights. And I think that's also relates to the time period that we were in. We just celebrated Pesach recently, um, which is all about going may avdus lecheras, and many times in life, right? There's this idea of Yeshua Hashem Karifayan about us being able to be in the most dark and difficult places and go from the darkness all the way to the greatest light. And Zach and Zach's story truly illustrate the potential that all of us have, that it's never too late, that we're never too far, and that we always have the ability to come back and climb out and strive for higher and more connection and growth. And just like we mentioned last week in the introduction, just like Rabbi Akiva, who also witnessed the greatest of darkness, losing so, so, so many of his students and thinking we may have all thought that that was the end. He picked himself up and restarted that which is responsible for Torah as we know it today. I hope all of you guys enjoy this second part of our episode. I went to shake her hand and she's like, oh, I'm Shomer Nagia. And I'm like, what does that even mean? And she explains it to me and I'm like, that's so cool. I have to write that down on my phone. She's like, no, no, it's Shabbos. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. This is literally the first Shabbos that I'm ever trying to keep in my life. Previously on Rolling with the Punches, Zach shared what life was like growing up in a challenging home environment. He became involved in the gang life, escaped death several times, and overcame his alcoholism. In part two of this episode, we will hear how Zach discovered Judaism and how it would fit into his life, the tremendous sacrifices and difficulties he met along the way, and the beautiful life that Zach now lives, building a family that is Shomer Torah Umitzvos. Welcome to Rolling with the Punches, the podcast where we speak with individuals who have overcome adversity in order to learn about their experiences and provide support to those who are facing similar challenges. We hope you enjoy. Okay, so now let's uh, let's kind of go to the to the second leg where you know you you just came back from a birthright trip. You enjoyed the free flight. Uh, <laughs> you came back and you weren't really doing anything observantly different. Um, what happens next? Yeah, so um, four years later from birthright. Um, my brother, Joshua, um, amazing name. Uh, he, he really, um, brought me into the promised land. Into the land. <laughs> <laughs> he really helped me out a lot and uh, many times in my life. And he, he came up to me. He was like, Hey, look, I'm a part of this young Jewish professional group specific to Arizona on Facebook. And a group from Philadelphia posted about a trip to Israel in this group. And for some reason, my brother was like, that sounds nice. Like maybe my wife and I should go on this trip. So he, he signs up for this trip, not knowing any your brother's married. Your brother's married, right? Yeah. Married, and is he Jewish is, wife? He's, um, he's religious, but like, I think he would want to be more religious, honestly, uh-huh. because he was when I, he was on a really high level. Like I think he wants to, to be on a higher level. He, he definitely has that desire. The lifelong journey. Right. Okay. And he, you know, why, like, I don't know, for some reason he wanted to join this trip not knowing anyone at all. He knew no one from this community. He's in Arizona with me. 
It's it's the same marketing as birthright. So right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's a free flight. Exactly. Sounds like a great deal. And his wife had never been to Israel. So sure. He applied for the trip and he didn't make it onto the, the first year. So the second year they called him back and this was in 2019 and he, he got accepted and he was like, well, he came up to me. He's like, look, I got accepted to go on this trip to Israel, but I can't go because my wife's pregnant. He's like, why don't you go? Wow. And I'm just like, oh, wow. Um, you know, I, I am trying to like learn more about what it means to be Jewish and I could use a trip to Israel. That sounds nice. Um, you know what? Why not? You know, I'll give it a shot. And at this point, you're 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 not observant. Not nothing's going on in terms of your religious observance, and nothing at all. Okay. Nothing at all. And um, for some reason, I'm just like you know, I'm gonna go for it. And um, I sign up for the trip, and no joke, I I get accepted, and I get my spot the the last day, the deadline. I'm like locked in. In the last spot. And this would be like the story of the series of events that, that's about to happen. It's just like everything was like right at the last second. Hashem always comes through like, and, and it was so, such amazing hashkafa. And, um, you know, so I, I, I get approved for this trip and I end up paying because I missed all the classes that you would take to get like a discount on the trip. Um, I end up paying like for the full trip out of pocket, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm actually, you know, I'm paying for this. Like this is coming from my hard earned money, which most of the people on the trip, it was like fully subsidized. Right. Um, and then I'm like, as I'm like on a plane flying to New York to meet this community, I'm just like, oh no, like why, why am I <laughs> doing this? Like I'm probably just going to have another poor Judaism experience that I'm used to from growing up. And I'm like doubting myself, like, man, maybe I shouldn't have done this. Getting really nervous. And it turns out it was quite the opposite. It was the most refreshing Judaism experience I I ever had in my life. And it was with a community called the Chavra. Um, Rabbi John Erlbaum and Rabbi Menachem Benedict, Rabbi Nash. And, you know, these people, they, this, this Chavra, they really treated me like they cared and they like, I could tell that they wanted more, wanted to help me and they wanted to uh, show me true Judaism. And I was learning things that I never, no one ever took the time to teach me. Like someone took the time to talk to me about um, the Amida on the bus. We were like in Tel Aviv. I never heard of that. He's like, yeah, it's just like a nice thing to say these blessings. Like, even if you don't, you're not religious, like just the same, it's like a cool thing. And I was like, wow, it does sound nice. And, um, I just remember like it was the first Shabbos and we were in Sfat and it always is in Sfat. <laughs> such a holy spiritual place. Right. And it was the perfect setting, you know, because to start my journey on this Simcha, on, um, to start it on such a like high level note is such a beautiful thing because like a lot of people they can't say that you know they they grew up and maybe they had poor experiences I, I I I had that but to have like true Judaism like from the start to be introduced from the start I'm really lucky 
And um, so I'm in Sfat, and um, Shabbos is coming in. And this guy, he had binoculars. He was looking at the mountain. Well, it was already Shabbos. So it was Saturday day. And he was, you know, looking at this mountain with the binoculars. And it was Mount Moron. I didn't know what that was. And I was like, wow, this is so beautiful. I have, I have to ask if I could look through the binoculars. So he, he let me look through. And as, as I'm pa- passing them back, I see this girl. I'm like, wow, like, who's this girl? She's beautiful. And like I saw her earlier, I was like, "Wow, who's this girl? She's beautiful." Like, but I, coming on this trip, I didn't want to talk to any of the, the girls on the trip because I took care of my family back home and had a lot of issues there in Arizona. Philly's long distance. Yeah, long distance. Like, I, it makes no sense. And when I saw her, I was like, "Oh, you know, she, she's probably the Rebbitson because she was dressed sneeze. And I'm just like, "Okay, whatever." I, I wasn't going to talk to any of the girls, anyways. And um. So she was, she was coming up to, to look through the binoculars as well. And I was like, wow, who is this girl? She's beautiful. And she looks through the binoculars. She passes it back. She looks at me. I look at her. We lock eyes. We have a strong connection. And like, I, want, I went to shake her hand, and she's like, oh, I'm Shomer Nagia. And I'm like, what does that even mean? And she explains it to me, and I'm like, that's so cool. I have to write that down on my phone. She's like, no, no, it's Shabbos. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. This is literally the first Shabbos that I'm ever trying to keep in my life. And all I know about Shabbos is my brother wouldn't use electricity um, on Shabbos because my brother, like he, he would keep Shabbos. And, and so I left my phone in the hotel. And so we went to the meal and She's teaching me the brachas, aniti la I never heard of this in my life, and I was like, "Wow, this this woman is on a on a high level." Like, if there's anybody here that knows these brachas, then maybe they're not taking the time to teach another yid these brachas. And for me, that was so special because I grew up in this reformed temple, and no one took the time to teach me anything or care to see how I was doing. Right, and that's all I ever wanted. And then she taught me hamotzi lechem miharetz. Wow, like it's amazing. And so w- throughout the trip, and the, you were you were eating this up, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was like it was beautiful, and I, I felt it was so special to me that I met such an amazing woman. And the rabbi of the trip, Rabbi David Nyberg, he he asked me, he's like, and and, and he's such a special rabbi. Like he barely made it on this trip. Because one of the rabbis I didn't get to meet from the community, Shavuot um Rabbi Stern, he passed away, and like they needed to fill the spot. He was, yeah, he was Nifter, and and so they got Rabbi David Nyberg from Brooklyn, and he and they call him up on Thursday, and they call him like on Wednesday, and they're like, "Hey, can you like help us out with this trip? Like, can you like?" be like the leading rabbi of the trip. And he said, I have to ask my wife. And he, she's like, sure, go, go, why not? Like kicked him out of the house, <laughs> kicked him all the way to Israel. Right. And he, he, and he made it like, it was so spontaneous. And, and it only everyone makes was sense. in it for the free flight. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it only makes sense because like everything like on my journey was so spontaneous that he would be the rabbi of this trip. And so he asked me, he's like, is there anyone that you like on, on the trip? 
And I'm like, well, yeah, there's this girl, but she lives in New York and I live in Arizona. How's this supposed to work? He's like, it's only a six hour flight. You can make it work. I'm like, I don't know. So things like we're getting more serious. So we started to, we sat down with the rabbi to speak and he's, the rabbi is like, look, she's obviously on a higher level than you. The only way you two are going to be together and things are going to work out is if you go to yeshiva. And like, I don't even know what a yeshiva is. So he explains it to me and then it's like, I don't even know my olive base. And so, you know, I'm like, and plus I take care of my family. How, how is this supposed to work out? Like, makes no sense for me logically to do such, to make such a big sacrifice, right? And so my trip in Israel was amazing. I like so awesome. Like I came back to Arizona and now I'm thinking like, well, what now? Like how, how's it supposed to work with that girl I met in, right. in spot? And all of a sudden the rabbi reaches out to me from the Hevra and he says, look, we're having a reunion Shabbaton in a week. You should come. And I'm like thinking to myself, I was just with you in Israel last week. Like I have to get back to work. <laughs> and I started thinking about it some more and I was like, wait a second, there's something really special about this community. I have to go see it in person, see what this community is all about. So I took time off from work and my boss was like, I was this close to putting you on the schedule and then you took time off from work. And I'm like, I know I'm coming back from vacation. I'm going on another vacation, but I'll be back in a week. And so it's like I, what every Jew has to deal with on, you know, Tishrei. Yeah. This is my introduction. <laughs> <laughs> we prepared you. Exactly. And so like I, I go, I barely make it to go to Philadelphia and it was like such an amazing time. Right. And you know, it was time to come back to Arizona and I get this spontaneous opportunity to go visit my aunt who lives in the Poconos. So uh-huh. I, I push back work from the Poconos and then I get this spontaneous opportunity to go to a camp in upstate New York. Rabbi Nash, he's like, like, are you, in, are you by New York? I'm like, yeah, why? He's like, there's an amazing camp that changed my life. Do you want to go? What was the camp? Camp Sinai Retreat. Okay, Sinai Retreat. Rabbi Teitelbaum, Rabbi sure. Hauer. And, um, and I was like, sure, I'm all there. And by that time, I was on a bus. I was After I said yes, he's like, I don't even know if it's still available. The, the rabbi of the, the camp, he emailed me three days ago, and he said there's only one spot available. So he calls me back. He's like, you got the spot. Then I'm on a bus from Borough Park. I thought <laughs> I thought I was I thought I was in Israel. I've never seen anything like this in my life. Like in the states, like growing up in Phoenix, like if you saw yeah. someone wearing a kippa, you're like, what? What's going on? Where, right. Where'd this guy come from? It's like that. And so I'm in Borough Park. I thought I was in Israel, and I'm on the Muncie Trail bus. There's a machitza. What an introduction to to Yiddish guy. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like going up upstate New York, and it was so beautiful and. And I'm, and I remember just walking up to the camp. I'm like on this crazy journey. Like Hashem is just taking me all these different places. And I, I go by the base and the, they're, they're diving in there and they're, they're wearing black and white. And I'm so scared. Like the clothes I'm wearing, I feel like I st- stick out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. And then I start talking to some of the guys because on the outside looking in, like you have these like preconceived ideas. It's intimidating. It's intimidating. And then I talked to the guys that were the nicest guys I ever met in my life. Like mm-hmm. so personable, really caring, geschmack guys. And so I'm set up with my first chevrus in my life. I'm learning how to daven, to put on tefillin. And 
had an amazing time at this camp. And just when it was time to leave this camp, Rabbi Teitelbaum was like, look, two things. One, I want to send you to Israel. And two, I want to give you tefillin. I'm just like, wow, like I have to get back to Arizona to get back to work. Like I was like, I'll think about it. And I started to think about it. And I realized, wait a second. Hashem is literally bringing me from this place to this place to all these different places. If I say no, I'm cutting that flow. I'm going back to Arizona to my old life. And that's it. I'm not going to, to Israel to study in yeshiva. So I said, I have to go. If not now, then when? If you're not for yourself, then who will be for you? This is the most time that I ever took out of my life to do something for me. I had to do this for me. And I was like, Rabbi, I'll go. I'll go for two months. Even two months for me was a really big sacrifice. So I need to stop here for a second because this is so remarkable to me. Um, how much you sacrificed, meaning you felt like you needed to be back home doing all these things and you you really took a leap of faith in, in a, and sacrificed so much to be able to open up a door you know that, that was there. And, and I, I think for a lot of people, this, this point, is what's so scary to them is like, I have this life that's kind of going on its course right now. And how do I just like give that up or not take care of that? I have jobs. I have this, I have that, I have family. And like, you want me to kind of change courses and, and for you to have done that is shows such a deep level of faith and, and, and Amuna. It's, it's remarkable. Thank you so much. It's be- really beautiful to say. And uh, I mean, honestly, I did see like uh, the guys in the camp, they were all faced with that question. You know, it was, it was always like a, a fork in the road. And they were faced with that challenge within themselves. Like, Hashem is always dangling an opportunity in front of us for the next step, wherever we're at, even right now. You have to take that chance. You have to take that chance. And and I knew I had to have Amunah Patak and Hashem. And I just went for it. And it was hard because, you know, taking care of my family... But at this point, my mom, she had already passed away from Alzheimer's. And I'm, I'm sitting at my first Jewish camp in my life, I'm like 26 years old. And I'm thinking about my mom. And I remember like looking through letters. I'm like, mom, what are these letters? I was a little kid. She's like, oh, th- those are letters that I wrote to my parents when I was at Jewish camp. And I was just like, how come I've never been to Jewish camp? And, and she didn't have an answer for me. But now I'm sitting at my first Jewish camp thinking about my mom who passed away. And that night that I decided to go to Israel, I get another opportunity to go after camp back to Brooklyn, New York, then go to Ohio, Chicago, Milwaukee, and then Michigan. What's crazy about all of this is my mom grew up in Ohio. So I'm thinking about my mom at this camp. And then I'm in Ohio where my mom grew up in Shaker Heights. And then I'm in Detroit, Michigan, where my mom grew up. I'm thinking about my mom. I'm like, if it wasn't for my mom, I wouldn't be on this journey. And it's such a bracha like to think about what our what our family our ancestors had to go through to get to this point for you and me to sit here like just if we if we could connect those dots and and really understand what it took for us to be sit next to each other right now we would live so inspired
And, you know, it always seems like my mom, like it was just at the brink point that things could have just been cut off. Like, wh- where's the hope? My mom's last name was Hope. <laughs> it was yeah. Wolpe, and then she got married. It was Hope. And then, and then like Hashem like brought me back onto Derek. And now, now I'm in Israel. Now I'm in Israel, and it's the high holidays. And it's Slicho, and I'm living right next to the Kotel. I walk out of my dorm, I can see the Kotel. I'm like, like Hashem, where were you? You were in Aish. I was at Aisha Torah. Okay, and I was like Hashem, like you literally took me from the lowest of lows to like the holiest place in the world. Like why me? Wow. And that same question, why me? Yeah, and and I'm like hearing people dive dab, into Hashem, like thousands and thousands of people during Slichos. Like I've never seen anything like this in my life, and I couldn't sleep till like five in the morning for a whole month, and and people were all night just like crying out to Hashem. And and then it was Rosh Hashanah, and the shofars were going off, and I had a, a memory, uh, a visual memory of my mom. She bought me a shofar from the Reform Temple, and she's like, "Son, it's Rosh Hashanah, blow the blow the shofar." And I was like a little kid, and I didn't know what Rosh Hashanah was about, but I knew that we blow the shofar, so I I learned how to blow the shofar as a little kid. But now I'm in Israel, right by the hotel, and doing Rosh Hashanah for the real deal. And so I'm thinking about my mom again. And then it's Sukkot. And I, my Sukkah, there's a window cut out. I could see the Kotel right from my Sukkah where I sleep. And it's just like beautiful moments, right? But my two months is up. It's time to go back home to Arizona. And that week's Parsha is Parsha's Lech Lecha. Hashem tells Avraham to go from out of your land Go for yourself. Go to yourself. My rabbi at the time, Rabbi Willick, Avraham Willick, he was inspiring me, telling me, go for yourself. Go for yourself. Wow. And rabbi, uh, rabbi Yitzhak Berkowitz, Rosh Hashiva. Sure. He was, he, he, I remember like he, he gave over the Devar Torah that Thursday. That just slapped me in the face. It was like, woke me up. Um, Parshas Lechlecha, when he, when he spoke, I realized that this is the next fork in the road. I could go back to Arizona or I could stay in Israel. But by staying in Israel, that means I'm going more into debt. How, how does it make sense? How am I supposed to marry that girl that I met in Sfat? It, it makes no sense. Like, I'm trying to build a life. To, to, she was on a higher level than me. I was trying to like, build myself up. When I met her, I didn't know Aleph base. I didn't know any bracha. She she taught me the bracha. So every time I say that bracha, she gets the skus. Were, were you still in touch with her She's at this time? I was still in touch. With, we, we stayed in touch over WhatsApp. Uh-huh. And she she was expecting that I would be going back to Arizona around uh, Lech Lecha. And um, now I'm forced with the, there's, there's this fork, fork in the road. It's time to go back home. And... You know, I could give up my apartment, but th- by giving up my apartment, that means I'm giving up everything I worked so hard to, to gain, to, to move out of my parents' house. I built myself up over there. I had a foundation that I never thought I would have in my life, something that seems so precious. And now I'm giving everything up for Hashem. And when I come back to the States, where am I going to live? 
what am I supposed to do? I, I don't have much family support. Like the little family support that I have, they're, they're not around. So where, where am I supposed to go? I don't know. But I knew I had to trust in Hashem. I knew I had to have a moon of Patak Hashem. And I gave up my apartment, wow. not knowing where I was going to live, what was I going to do. People thought I was crazy. Logically, it makes no sense. You're going into debt. makes no sense. It's not a good feeling. I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. It was tough times. And it was the best decision I made in my life. You know? I mean, I learned all of base because of this. And and then all of a sudden, it was the Hasim Hashas. Right? And everyone's talking about Hasim Hashas. And I'm like, so now you came back to New York? No. Oh, you're still in I Arizona? Stayed, no, I gave up my apartment okay. in Arizona and, and I stayed, stayed there in, in Yeshiva. Okay. Not wow. knowing what's going to happen. Sure. How long am I going to stay in Yeshiva? I don't know, but I'm staying in Yeshiva till Hashem leads me to my next step. Wow. I'm in debt. It makes no sense, but I'm, I'm knowing that this is what I have to do. And, and um, it's, everyone's talking about Asima Shas. And I'm like, what is this? Rabbi Avraham Willick t- tells me like this amazing thing called Hasim Hashas, where Jews from all around the world they they learn Daf of Gomorrah every day, and and you could see you could be in the airport and you see someone coming from London and you're you're from America and, and you're both learning the same Daf. I'm like wow that's so cool, and and he's like, and and you you learn it, and, and in seven and a half years you've completed the, all Shas. And I'm like, wow, like Hashem, like what's the chance that I'm here in Israel and Hasim Hashas is just finishing right now and the new cycle's beginning. I'm in yeshiva. I never thought, I never even knew what a yeshiva was. I just learned all of base. And, and now it's Hasim Hashas, like a seven and a half year cycle. And to make it even more amazing, I won tickets to a raffle to go to the Hasim Hashas in Jerusalem. Big, in Big Talmud Chacham there, you know, and and I'm just like, wow, this is so amazing. Such a simcha, like to learn Torah, to appreciate Torah. Every day you get the chizik and and you get to connect with fellow Jews. I felt like a part of, I started to experience this purpose, you know, I I have purpose. And and I I remember I was on the train with another student at Asia Torah. I was like, I had the thought, I was like, where were you at seven and a half years ago? He's like... I was at Asim Hashas. I'm like, wow. I was like, what did you do in those seven and a half years? He's like, not much. I was like, wow. Like, I want, you know, I want to do the daf every day. So at least I have something I could say like I did. And so like I started doing daf yomi. I finished track day brachas. You started doing daf yomi at this past Asim Hashas. Unbelievable. Yep. And I did. I finished track day brachas. I, I made my Siam looking at the Kotel and there was... Uh, all the chever there, the the Gesher program was there, and the, literally so much chizik. Like I'm, I was shocked. Like, like a line of like sixty students were coming up to me to ask for a bracha. People were telling me like I've been learning for I, you know, I grew up from. I've never finished. I never made a CM. I, I never, you know, finished a track day. Like you don't even know like how big this is. And I'm like like blown away. Like what, like what is happening right now? And like the like the Torah gives you an aliyah. And, and and Hashem was lifting me up, and 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 I remember like the first time I ever learned Gomorrah. I never even knew there was such a thing as the Oral Torah, and 
I was at Camp Sinai retreat. It was Baba Kama. I was like, I never want to learn this ever again in my life. Uh-huh. It was so difficult. It was so, I was like, why, why would you learn this? Like, but now here I am, like, like I, I got the simcha of Torah, you know? Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I didn't even, I'm speechless and I have so much respect and, and it's a real, I didn't realize how much of an honor it is to be in your presence. It's unbelievable. Thank you so much. Thank you. I mean, Hashem really set me up, you know, with Hashkafa practice, like on this journey, Hashem really watches out for us and we just have to keep making the right decisions. So how, how did you learn Gemara? I'm saying, you, you know, like there's so many new concepts. It's a different language. Yeah. So it's been an everyday journey, like being like Bali Shuva. It's like everyday process of learning how to adapt, uh, take on new things or different methods of learning. I started out learning um, by myself, um, just in the art scroll Gamora, and God bless art scroll. I know, seriously, yeah. And, and it was amazing. I was, I was like retaining my learning. I was like saying it over. I would, and like I would hear people talking about that. Like it was so amazing. Like they're talking about the daf. Like, like oh that I just learned that in the daf, or you know, so many like really cool moments like even the parsha like connecting with the daf i'm like that's in the daf right now like Mm. and now i'm like really getting connected and it was just a beautiful thing and um i almost finished tractate shabbos and then like i i kind of like fell off the bandwagon that's what they say they say bus shabbos bamanucha (laughs) and when shabbos comes rest comes that's so funny in regards to the daf also yeah, so um, I definitely had my journey with the daf. Yeah. But Baruch Hashem, it's a daf a day. So it's like you fall off the, you get off the train, you get back on. Yeah. So I got back on in the next stop. And um, now I'm actually, I just finished tractate Megillah. Wow, unbelievable. Yes. And um, I'm doing uh, right now Moed Katan. Yeah. And, you know, I'm doing, I'm in Rabbi Ellie Stefanski's shear. Like I follow it. <laughs> On YouTube, oh it's my so gosh! Mishma. Okay, so I'm now I'm actually like I'm I'm listening to Shir on YouTube and I I follow along in the Hebrew, and it's just such, such a beautiful thing because I didn't even know how to read Hebrew, um, and it's an it's it's so encouraging to like see your growth. Like I remember not being able to relate to like the davening um, when I first started out, like or even the songs that people would sing. I would just. Uh, I would just sing the niggins and like I would hum, um, hum along. And I remember like having like a moment where it was just like, wow, I made, like I, I got it. Uh, and it was like, starting to click. It was recently like in town, um, where I was actually at the white shul and it was, um, Kabbalah Shabbos and I could sing the songs and I sang it like so loud and all of my neshama. It was so beautiful. And I remember seeing you there. And it was just great. So, so what, what happened next in the story? You, uh, and then I want to kind of come back cause there are a lot of questions. Maybe we'll even make this into a two part episode cause there's so much I want to ask. And it's just such a remarkable opportunity to have you here. Thank what, ha- what happens after, um, you, you made a CM on Brachos, you're in Eretz Israel. What's next? So, yeah, so, um, I'm here, I'm like, I'm in Israel and, um, my, because if this was a movie script, you need to meet that girl again. Exactly. So <laughs> let's tie that in. Uh, let's tie her in. So she she's in um, New York, and she's an English teacher. 
she gets hired as an English teacher at a job at a high school. She starts a job and they're like, by the way, you're, we're making you a math teacher. And she's like, what? Like, that doesn't make sense. Like she, she doesn't want to lose her license. So she's just like, you know what? She really wanted to stay in Israel to, to go into seminary. She gave up everything. She left her apartment and she went to, she went to seminary and she went to Mayano. And so we're both in Israel together. Uh, so we would go on like Taco Tuesday dates and we would, you know, see each other in Israel and we're growing together, learning and still in contact. And it was the week before Perm and Rabbi Horowitz of the Shar program, he, he came out to Asia Tori, came to Israel and he, he spoke about this program called the Shar. And he's like, there's this amazing program in Far Rockaway called the Shar. We set guys up in a Jewish community. You could learn during the day, or you could work during the day, you could learn during the night, and you have Shabbos. I'm like, that sounds amazing. Like, I, I literally have nothing when I come back to the States. Maybe I'll call the rabbi. I barely got his phone number. And then right after he left, it was Perm. And then COVID became a thing. Like, we never knew what COVID was. And then, like, everyone left Israel. Like, it was crazy. Like, all the yeshivas shut down. Right. Everyone was gone. And America was, we were from the outside looking in, America just looked like, like really bad. And, but I'm in, I'm in Israel, I'm in the old city and no one's allowed to come into the old city. And, you know, no one's diving at the hotel for months. Kabbalah Shabbos, no one's there. And I'm like, why do I have the excuse to, to be here, like, alone, like, like in the city where, like, normally there's, like, people from all around the world, you could barely even walk, and now there's, like, silence. Like, why me, again? And so I end up staying in Israel for 10 months, not two. Uh, my Pesach Seder was looking at the hotel when the, the old city was locked down. Normally people come to, to the old city, and right. um, Shavuos, I went to Sfat, and it, you know, Shavuos. The first time I ever got Hagba was was on Shavuos. Wow, it was such a special moment for me. And um, and then I I went back to the states, and I called the rabbis, and I got I got accepted into the Shar. So I wrapped everything up in Arizona. I moved to Far Rockaway. And it was the next Rosh Hashanah. So the past Rosh Hashanah, I was in Israel. And the next one, I was like, just before, I, I moved to Far Rockaway. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, same experience. I'm flying to New York. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, what am I doing? Like, my life is changing so much. Like, <laughs> this is wild. I left everything. Now I'm moving to New York. Like, I never imagined this for my life. And, you know, I move here. And then three days later, I get a job interview hooked up from Shlomo Reich, Rabbi Shlomo Reich. Uh, the yeah. great and holy Shlomo Reich. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he's like, you know, you're not promised a job, but I, I'm help you out with the interview. <laughs> was, this is that the tile bar? This is that tile bar, yeah. Okay. Yezzy Melkovitz, um, Nachum Goodman. Glenn and, Holman? Yeah, Glenn Holman, yeah, from the White Shoal, yeah. All good shout-outs. And so I go, you know, have a job interview there, and they liked me a lot, and I got the job just three days after moving here. And, and like, you know, at this point, you know, I'm in debt. I'm like, oh man, like, thank you, Hashem. Like, 
like this is so amazing. Like I'm getting hooked up with so much bracha. It's like if you make yourself about Hashem's will, He'll make Himself about your will. And He really watched out for me. And so, but He said you, you, you know, you you'll start like after the Chag. It was like the high holidays, you know. Sure. So um, I was actually a full time student at Shar Yoshev in the um, introduction program called the Shar. I was living in the yeshiva, like. This is wild. Like I remember walking up to the yeshiva, the Shoyashev is like huge, and I'm like blown away. Like, I, like it's just such an amazing sight. And so I'm living in Shoyashev and dorming there, learning full time, really connecting. And then, um, you know, it was my. I was just about to start my. I just started my job. Right, I'm about to get my first check. Or like I no, like I, I start my job. I haven't got my first check yet. And someone from, from the community, he reaches out to me. He's like, he calls me that morning. He's like, Hey, I want I wanna um somebody reached out to me, said, Hey, give this money to someone who whose like parents aren't really supporting him, but he's trying to learn Torah. And he said, Hey, I thought about you. And I and so he's like, I want to give you a gift. And I'm just like, wow, this is amazing. I, I, I went to work. I'm at work. And I'm like thinking about like, wow, this is such, such a chesed, you know? And then I realized like, wait a second. Today's my mom's yard site. Wow. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> and, uh, and when he, and I was thinking, I was like, you know what? How funny would it be if the amount that I get was my first month's rent that I owed f- for, for my rent? And he, he's like, I don't know how much is in there, but it's for you. And I was like, by the way, like, you know, today's my mom's yard site. And, you know, Hashem is like watching over me. And, and so I, I opened up the, the envelope. It's my first month's rent right there. To the dot. To the dot. Um, no I'll more, no less. And, and, and what makes it more crazy is like my credit card bill was maxed out. I couldn't pay it, it was going to be a big fee, you know? Right. So it was just such perfect timing. And then, um, so now I found myself working, learning with the Shar, growing a lot, amazing people. The, the people, like, such a schoos that I get to be out here with such amazing people in, in the five towns to go to Shabbos meals and, and just connect, like, and my friend, I have a friend who he asked me, he was in the, he's in the shower. He's like, do you think your old gangster friends would, would have ever imagined you being at a meal like this? And I'm like, no, no never, never. They no. would never suspect me to be here. And in fact, like there was times where like when I moved back to the hood, like they didn't even recognize who I was. Like they, they forgot who I was. Wow. It's like they, people forget. And so, yeah, I, I went from living in Arizona and I'm thinking about how I'm supposed to work with that girl that I met in Spot who lives in New York. Now I live 20 minutes away from her. So she came back here also. So she came back too. And we're going on dates on Central Avenue now. <laughs> Kosher food. Yes. So like, like never in my life did I imagine like I would be living 20 minutes away from that girl that I met in Spot. What was she doing here? She's, um, she's an English teacher. Wow. So so fast forward a little bit. So you're meeting this girl, you're the the girl of your dreams over here. Now you're in Shoyashev. She's 20 minutes away. You're, you're getting sushi at Sushi Tokyo. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And definitely still Taco Tuesdays at, Taco Gra- Tuesdays. at Gray's and Streets. At Gray's. Okay, good. And um, so, you know, I'm, I'm in a position like where I'm like, I want to get married, but I'm still in debt. I'm like paying, working hard to pay off my debt. I'm still like way behind. And someone asked me, he's like, look, if that's all that's holding you back from getting married, you shouldn't let that hold you back. Like, just do it. And I was really inspired to just do it. Like, as crazy as that sounds, like, I didn't feel comfortable. I I wish I was in a more stable place. Mm. And, you know, this girl is so special because, like, you know, she, she knew, I told her my upbringing, I told her my story, and she still accepted me. She knew the level that I was at, and she still, like, accepted me. She knew my financial situation. And that's what makes her so much more special. And so I wanted her to meet my family in Arizona. And so she got to meet my my brother and his wife and my grandma and my dad. And um, she's You're still in touch with your dad. Yeah, I'm still t- in touch with my dad. My dad actually respects me a lot. Like growing up, he didn't and treated me very terribly. But now he respects me a lot because my mom taught me to honor your father and mother. And people would always say like, why, why do you take care of your family? Why don't you just leave them? Just get out of there. It's so bad. Like, no, I would not be able to put up with that. And I was just like, I can't leave my family. Like if I leave, it's just going to get worse for my mom, for my dad. So I decided to stay and take care of them because I did that. I got to see a lot of bracha. My, my dad, he respects me. Like he looks at me like I'm his father. And well. And it's an amazing thing to stick it out, to really, to just like really, and, and it was always a question of mine, like, does that still apply? Like honor your father, mother, like even when it's this dysfunctional? And mm-hmm. it's a tough question. It's a thing I really struggled with. But um, she, she got, the girl, she got to meet my, my dad and it was like eight in the morning. We went to pick him up. We thought it was going to be good. Like, you know, at least it, Eight in the morning, like, shouldn't be so bad, right? He was really drunk. And, yeah. like, he was, like, falling falling over to the ground and doing embarrassing things. And, and you had prepared and, her for this before. Yeah. And, like, she went to my grandma's house and it was very dysfunctional there as well. And, and, um, and that's why I love her so much because she, I never thought a, a girl would ever be able to see that and still love me. And she stuck around. And... I proposed to her by Pesach and, you know, they say by, it's, by meeting your shidduch, it's greater than the splitting of the sea. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was such an amazing thing, like t- to be able to, to just, you know, do that and then, then come back. And then now it's like, now what? Right. Like, okay, we're engaged, but what wins the marriage? Right? right. And I never thought it would happen so quick. <laughs> I never thought it would happen so quick. And it was just, and I'm telling you, like everyone from the community was calling up the rabbis and saying, I want to host their wedding, you know? And, and uh, we were at Lagba Omer by the white shul. You, you were there. Yeah. And what was so special about that is when we first met, the first time we ever spoke, my, her and I, <laughs> first time we ever spoke, was looking at Mount Moron, 
Now it's Lagba Omer, Rabbi Shimon Bayechai, and and then someone starts these two start fighting over who's going to host our wedding. Like, no, they're going to do it at my house. No, they're going to do it at my house. And and we're just like, what is happening? Like, and like, we'll um, do it at both of their houses. Exactly, and, and, and we actually thought that out too. To be honest, no joke. <laughs> Two stages. And um, my my wife, she's Bukharian and Russian, and her, their fam- her family, they're like really traditional, and they have like these big weddings. And and when I told them, like, look, they're wanting to sponsor the the wedding, they're like, they w- would not accept it. They're like, they don't believe that. Like, that's mm-hmm. no, that's. No, they're going to pay for it, this and that. And, right. uh, there's no such, that doesn't make sense. There's no such thing, right? And um, sure enough, um, we had our wedding at um, Ephraim and Rena Kuttner's house. And it was such an amazing wedding. It was like so beautiful. They got Zusha to play out there. Uh-huh. I had all my friends out, out there. My only family that came was my brother and his wife. And they came out here and they were shocked. They were like, I never in my life would ever imagine my brother having an Orthodox wedding. Like they were completely shocked. And it was such a simcha. It was, I never imagined in my life that I would ever have such a beautiful wedding. And um, Tomic Glenn was like t- doing the photography uh-huh. And there was just so many Bali chesed there. Like Shlomo Reich was on the guitar. Yeah. Um, you know, um, Rabbi Stein was sure. there making a bracha under the chuppah. That's for Yaakov. Yeah. Rabbi Hurwitz helped out a lot. And, um, and it was just a, such an amazing, such a beautiful night that we cherish the memory so much. And we're so, the chazde is Hashem, you know. And, and, and then it gets better, you know. The, you know, it's just typical that my that it continues this way, but we had no place to live. Oh, we're married now, right? We it's a honeymoon. <laughs> you f- you're figuring it out right after the wedding. Oh, wait, we have nowhere else to live. Right, exactly. So we um, we stay by Long Beach. We're there for like a week, and we do the Sheva Brachas and this and that. But Sheva Brachas um, Shabbos was coming in. We didn't have a place to stay. We didn't even have a, a apartment lined up. Uh-huh. And and I had a friend who moved into my old room at uh, Shai Rubin's old house, and he's like, "Man, you're crazy! Like you you always live your life this way, like mm-hmm. like on the edge, like a moon of a like like you don't even have a place lined up." Like, <laughs> I'm like, "I know this is this is wild." Like it, it's like, and my wife is going on with the with the show, right? She's just mm-hmm. like. Like hopefully she has She's that, like the right that much yeah. Amuna Bata. You know? <laughs> it's worked out so far. Yeah. And so um, we didn't have a place. And so I I, I, um, I texted Rabbi Hurwitz and I was like, hey, like, I do you know of any like Chas and Kala places that we could stay at potentially? Because we were looking and it was very hard to, for us to find a place that we liked and were set on. And, you know, we're a little picky. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard with all the basements, you know? Sure. But, um, yeah, so um, I'm, I'm more relaxed, but, yeah, you know. <laughs> but, no, it, um, I, I texted Rabbi Hurwitz, and I was like, we don't have a place to live. Like, is, do you know of any places? I dove in Shakri's, and then he says, reach out to my, my wife, Rebetzin. Rebetzin Hurwitz, she knows of someone. And, um, so I reached out to them and they're like, yeah, we're actually leaving tomorrow to go to a camp. Um, come by tonight 
and uh, we'll seal the deal. And I'm like, well, we have a Sheva Brachas party at uh, my boss's house, uh, Yezi Melkovitz from Tile Bar. And, and I'm like, well, we'll have to come over, but it's going to be like later in the night, you know? Yeah. And we barely make it over. It's like 11 at night, not too late, but they're leaving early in the morning and we seal the deal with them. We get, we like get this place, Hassan Kala place. And, um, we stay there for like, we set, we're set on like two weeks and then we still don't have an apartment. So we're like, can we extend? So we extend two more weeks and you know, we still don't have a place. And then eventually they're like, Hey, look, we're, we just keep it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, look, we're, we're actually coming back tomorrow. So like you have to go. (laughs) And, um, we actually got approved for an apartment like that day. The day they were coming back, we got the keys to the apartment. And um, when we were checking out this apartment, like it was, it was so amazing. Like there was a, a chat, apartment chat, you know, and mm-hmm. um, it was after Shabbos. They po- there was a, a post and there was like Central Lawrence. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to hop on that, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, call, I called and um, she's like, oh, call me later. And I called her the next day. She's yeah. like, oh, call, call me later. And I called again. She's like, there's two people in front of you. And plus, we can't even show the place today. And we're like, just like begging, like, please, like, what do we have to do to like do like seal this deal? And we're like, we'll pay like half half a year's rent, like just to get this place. Like, what do we have to do? And she's like, okay, fine. I'll show you the place tonight. We show her the place tonight. And this this was this happened before the the wedding. But it was such a hard place to get because of uh, it's a co-op. And um, so she's like, so where, where are you getting married? And we're like, oh, in Ephraim Kuttner's house. She's like, you said Ephraim Kuttner? She's like, you know, if it wasn't for him, my son would have gone to Shiva in Israel. And Kira Satov, I'm going to help you out. Wow. And um, so we got the apartment. Um, and, you know, we're, it's such a bracha right by, by KMH. So we go to, go to Mavakshi Hashem. Right. Such great chevra. Um, the Cutners are there. Yes, uh, sure. Rabbi Zakatinsky, and I, I feel like so it's such an uplifting place to be. So what I want to do now is to try and first of all, I'm just like so totally blown away. We took a Minchamara break, by the way, just for those that are wondering. But um, I want to get into a little bit about the process, hopefully to be able to give other people who are in a similar journey to the one that you're you're currently on and you have faced um, to give a little bit of chizik and also to, to help out people who are looking for more meaning to their Yiddishkeit to, you know, feel as inspired as it seems like you are. So th- the first question I have is, you know, when you're coming from, you know, seemingly nothing or very, very little, and you see this mountain of what Yiddishkeit is, and there's so much to learn. How do you not get overwhelmed by like how far behind you are? Um, you know, you see other people that know how to read and know how to daven, and you know, and you're starting to learn Aleph Bays. Um, how do you not get overwhelmed? So yes, it is very overwhelming, um, and it's easy to look at other people and where they're at, and compare yourself and wonder why. You're not on, on that same level, especially when it comes to like being with the minion and everyone's on the same page and um, knowing where everyone's at when, with the davening. You really have to like try to speed things up and try to catch up to, to so you don't stand out. 
like even more of a sore thumb than I already felt like I was standing out. So um, you, you learn to adapt quick, but there's certain things that just don't come that quick. And you, you really have to um, be patient in the process. And it's a lot of people do burn out. Um, that are Balti Shuvas because they are too intense. They they go and they get a lot of... Um, they feel this pressure that we're talking about. Yeah. And, and they, go, they go forward quick and they make a lot of progress, but with, with great sacrifice. And, um, you know, I've battled it out with a lot of Balti Shuvas just standing right next to each other, see, see each, see, watching each other struggle alongside them. Um, I remember personal struggle for me was like, it was, I was so, um, I was having, I was so discouraged from davening because like when I would put on my tefillin and I'm davening, my tefillin would be like falling off or like the cap would fall off and hit the ground and make a big noise. And everyone's looking at me like, who is this guy? It happens to all of us. Yes. <laughs> and so like with time, you know, I, I start to see like, okay, like this is, this is not just a me thing. And I, I don't, I become less and less insecure, but there's a lot of insecurities there. Um, you wonder why um, you can't keep up with the davening so quick, even when you're reading in English, they finish faster than you. And then when you start, when I first started reading Hebrew, you know, by the time I finished my Shimona Esrei, they could have ran laps around me like three times, four times on the davening. And um, so it, it is... It's easy to compare to to yourself to people, but it's not worth it. And you have to just take it day at a day. And I think the, the best thing to do is to look back at your achievements. Like uh, I was discussing earlier about the Kabbalah Shabbos, like that was a big achievement for me. Like when I got to s sing the songs that I used to hum and really get into it. And this is this is something that I want to share with other Baltishuvas like who were earlier on their journey where I was at to, to just like kind of encourage them, like, you know, stick at it, keep at it. And, uh, and you'll, you'll get to there to, to that point. And even people who grew up from, you know, they're, they're also trying to become to a higher level. So ultimately we're all, of course we, we can do better. We can, we could go to higher heights and, and maybe we're not at a certain level that we want to be, but you know, this is a, a good thing to be a good jealousy to have. If you're right. going to have a, any jealousy, this is something that you should strive for. And you Can should. I so from Tarbah Chachma, that's the Gemara says that this is the only jealousy that we allow is the jealousy of other, you know, people that are um, much more, let's say, more well-learned or things like that, because it generates within us a passion and a drive to do more. Um, I, I do want to say that I, I, I agree with everything that you're saying, and I think it's so important that your growth is balanced, that you don't, you know, push too hard to a point that you kind of get to this burnout. And also to recognize that Rome wasn't built in a night. Not You don't need to be where you want to be in one night. And it's amazing what you'll see, the amount of growth that you can achieve when you stay at something consistently in a measured way that you can stay consistent to. I, I loved what you said about you know, when you're at the Siamashas and you said to someone, where were you seven and a half years ago, right? And that's where over a seven and a half period, you could see that you could finish Shas by dedicating an hour a day. Um, yeah, I would love to finish Shas tonight, but 
That's not realistic, right? We have to kind of set goals for ourselves that are within reason. And if we stay consistent to whatever it is that we choose to achieve, we'll ultimately get there. And life is not a race. That's beautiful. And and honestly, yes, it's not about the daf. It's about the yomi. Uh, you got to do... You're a real talent of Ravelli Stefanski. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, what's interesting about this, like, it goes against my very nature. It goes against all of our nature. Because we all have this struggle to, to get rich quick, right? Exactly, and we all want that easy fix, and we all want to get the the quick chizik. And sometimes the, you don't feel the chizik, but you have to be baratzon Hashem, and you have to you have to just do it. And um, you know, yes, people who grew up doing this every day of their entire life, uh, it could it could be hard to have the chizik to to. To keep doing, keep at it, keep going, but we have to do it because the chizik will come. Maybe someday you won't feel it, but some someday it will. But f- for me, like this, really goes against my nature because growing up, I didn't have the discipline. Um, I grew up with you know not doing chores and not having to set these like guidelines or, or tasks, and now to like come to Orthodox Judaism and where it's like super, uh, everything is laid out. I find myself like going against all of that, which is a big bracha. It's like, I'm really developing in, in these areas of my life that were, are completely opposite of where I came from. And I find myself doing like all the yomis now, like, like right. or what's the next yomi? Like I'm doing, <laughs> I just started doing Mishnah yomi. Um, I'm, I'm doing the like Chayinu. Um, with my wife, we, we learned the Chayinu. Sure. And um, it just like to just, you know, give it your best shot. It's, it's about the Yomi. Wow. Um, so some of the questions I'm going to ask, you know, may be framed by the fact that my upbringing was different than yours. Um, and I, I think certainly with people who were born into a from lifestyle, they have different perspectives on things. So um, I'm, I'm, interested and curious to kind of discuss it with you. Do you have, do you ever second guess your decision? You know, you had that fork in the road and you could have kind of gone back to Arizona. Um, and and I'm sure there's areas of responsibility. Um, there's not Christ. There's a responsibility to be, to be in Evan Hashem, to be, uh, you know, someone that serves Hashem. Do you ever, you know, wonder, wow, life would have been easier had I not kind of, you know, taken the, the plane ride to Eretz Yisrael or done all those decisions where you kind of pushed yourself and said, let me go this way. Do you ever second guess? You know, I, w- I would never take it back. Uh, I've never experienced so much bracha in my life. Um, this Making this decision has really filled my life with so many beautiful th- things in my life, like the people, um, the the, the great Torah learning and what it, what it brings you, what it, what it enhances in your life and the quality of friendship. Like growing up, I, I couldn't even trust my own family and my own friends. And being in a community like this, I think it's, it's easy to take for granted what you see uh, on a daily basis. It's like you're used to, oh, everyone wants to, you know, host someone for Shabbos or, uh, show a chesed or do this and that, but there's no one like our people. There's no one like our nation that would do such these great things. There's so many different organizations that, like, wow, like who would take the time to actually put in the work to to make a a, 
a greater cause for, to this world, you know? And, um, I don't think, I don't think I would go back, but, but there is of course the, um, there is the reality, uh, that I face that is where, where I came from. Uh, it, it's, that draws me of like wanting to be that entices me to that lifestyle of being lazy. Like it's nice to live a life that's comfortable. You don't have to worry about going out and, and doing find this, the minion at eight o'clock, you know, exactly. seven thirty. wake up at Nate's before your work. Right. So like, I'm not, used, Meyer later. Yeah. Right. I'm not used to these type of things and I'm, I am learning to adjust to it. And, and it's a beautiful thing. Like, and I, I recognize and understand why, why we do what we do, but but I do have that. There is that fight within me that's like, uh, it, and, and you. I learned in in Masila Shisharm, like at, when I'm at work, I try to I try to take time to, to on my breaks to go learn Musser or, or some type of safer that will just keep me focused throughout the day. And Masila Shisharm has really helped me out. And it's true what it says in the book that you know, the, oh, it's too cold outside. Like I don't. I don't want to go like, right. or I just came home. I, I, I just winded down. Like, uh, it's, it's very easy to get comfortable and Judaism is not a life of being comfortable. It's a life of getting out and, and going against what, what the, what the world is sitting in. Right. Like Avraham, when he, he went to, to where Hashem brought him to, uh, away from what, what is so easy and for, for us to just, Sitting right, it, it, it's such a good point. Um, I was going to ask you what what do you miss most from kind of your previous lifestyle? Would you say it's that lack of responsibility, that feeling? Not that it's a good thing, but there's a certain level of kind of complacency in terms of like I have nothing to do and that's okay. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely think that's that's it because um, I grew up with no one coming over to the house, no, no guests, um, you know, no, like not, no outings, no, um, family reunions type of things, no, no, no get togethers. And as, as a kid growing up, I, I longed for that. Like I really wanted to have, um, I wanted to have a family. I wanted to have a big family or uh, a community. I've never experienced a community like this in my life. Like this is such an amazing structure, the way everything is built up and um, the, the, the ideas behind why we live the way we live. And, and there's a lot of success in that, but that takes work. And, you know, I come from a place where it's, no one wants to work. We, we just want to, you know, especially where my family, like it was just, you know, satisfy our, our momentary pleasures, right? Everyone for themselves type of thing. And, um, we don't even know the neighbors. Wow. So one of the things that you mentioned before, and I, and I, I always wonder what life even would look like without living in a Jewish community. Um, I once remarked to my Talmud that my wife and I were on Arab Shabbos driving somewhere and we were playing it very, very close to Shabbos. And like, it just occurred to us like, Oh, we could just find the closest Jewish community and knock on a random house that has a mezuzah and we'll come there for Shabbos. And I was thinking like, in what other community do you have such a concept where like, I could just knock on a door, I will have never met this person, may never see them again, and I could come with my belongings and they'll gladly welcome me in for Shabbos. 
Um, and that, that's, that's when we kind of think of this beautiful gift. I was just away with my wife and, and some guy, um, he, you know, from guy who was in the hotel, he said, can I borrow, uh, can I borrow a hundred bucks or whatever it is? I just don't want to go back to my room. And, and it, it's a mitzvah to lend somebody money. And like, in what other planet would I lend somebody a hundred dollars? He said, I'll give it back to you the next day at, at Minion. Um, in what other planet would I do that with someone that I've never met? And, and there's this kind of internal brotherhood, this, 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 um, much larger family that we have as the Jewish people that I, I can't imagine what life would be without it. Um, so my question to you is what do you appreciate most kind of from entering into this lifestyle? Yeah. Wow. It's beautiful. Um, just hearing what you said is it, it's like hits the nail on the head right there. Like it, it really is beautiful that, you know, I could, come to this community and be accepted by people that don't even know me, but they, but we're family and, and, and that's MS and you know, our, our ancestors go back and are connected. We're all connected somehow, some way. And, and I, I feel a great warmth just, you know, everywhere I go in this area, there's, there's people that are willing to take time out of their day to, say hello and maybe give chizik or teach me something or help me out. Um, there's people that are, that want me to meet their families and I'm not used to like, I'm ne like, I never had that like growing up. No one invited me over like that. And, you know, they want to actually build and get, get to know you. And it's, it's weird for me because coming from a place where that, that lacks trust, it's you kind of still have that guard up coming into this into um, this community, and it's it could be hard to let it let it down. It could be hard to to be vulnerable because when you can't even trust your own family or the friends that are closest to you, it's hard to trust a stranger. But but here we find I found like such beauty in the sincerity of of people really, they do actually want to get to know you and they do want to just engage. And if you do need help, they're, they're willing to help and extend the, the chesed to no limit. And, and it's just unheard of. It's an amazing thing. Wow. One of, one of the issues that, um, you know, as a, as a middle school Rebbe in, in, uh, in yeshiva locally is this idea that very often my Talmudim, and I remember even in my own upbringing, um, viewing kind of like the mitzvahs, oh, we can't do that on Shabbos, we can't use our phone on Shabbos, uh, oh, we, we can't eat whatever we want, almost like viewing the mitzvahs that we have as burdens, as, as difficulties in our life. And there's an important shift to kind of recognize these not as burdens, but as opportunities. Um, and I find very often almost the, the, the way you're describing it is you look at these as opportunities, not as burden. How do we make that shift, that adjustment so that people can view all these mitzvahs, which can seem restrictive on some level, right? Okay. I can't listen to music. I can't wear, you know, pants or skirt. I have to cover my hair, right? Which some people will view as, you know, like I don't have enough choices here. I, I just want to feel free and do what I want. How do we view that as an opportunity as opposed to a burden? It's a good question. And 
it's all about perspective on on how you look at things. It's it's easy to like be down and look at things in a negative light, and that's what you're gonna feel if you keep doing certain things. You're gonna get the same result, and I think we have to we have to look at our lives that we're lucky enough and fortunate enough that we get to connect to Hashem in every bodily aspect of our life, like every function, body function, like even to the point where the fingernails that we have on our hands are, we can use for a mitzvah um, by Havdalah. Like there's so many things that we, we can do to connect to Hashem and, and it's literally every, every body part that we have connects to Hashem. And it's, it's an empowering thing. It's a life of fulfillment and it's, it's going to make you feel so meaningful throughout your whole entire day. If you connect to Hashem and everything that you do, just as he intends that we do, we should, you know, incorporate Hashem into our lives and, and we should always think of Hashem in every moment. It's not always easy, but in reality, it's the truth. It's MS. It's about flipping the perspective of you have the choice. You can view this as a burden, but what type of life is that? And, and what are you gaining from that? Where on the flip side, it, it is an opportunity and you can choose to view it that way where every moment, right, I'm, I'm connecting to something holier than anything else that exists. Right. Um, and, and I could do that when I eat, when I go on vacation, when I sleep, when I cut my fingernails, when I shower, every element has something that I can connect to something much, much greater when you've are able to turn it that way, you're able to, to gain the sense of, wow, this is an opportunity. Yeah. And, and also for, for, for me as well, that, um, what I've experienced is when I don't connect that, that just means there's an, there's a problem with my understanding of the, of connecting to Hashem with this certain area. And I, one thing that I've noticed coming into, like coming on the Derek and, and, and recognizing, um, Orthodox Judaism people grew up from is it's easy to go through the motions of like doing things like some people, they don't know why they dip the bread in the salt two times, or they don't know why they're doing this. And it just becomes a hab- habitual motion, but we need to take the time to go back to the elementary fundamental basics of things. And, and it's okay to, to be humble enough to recognize, like, I don't know why we do this. And, you know, but, but that sometimes that's, that's the issue I had is we're not willing to recognize that I can't go back to those fundamental elementary things. I've, I've graduated upon those, you know, I, that was, that was a long time. That was in kindergarten. Like I can't go back there. No, we need to take the time to, to learn, to, to try to connect to these small things because really the small things are big things. I love that idea that, that if we're viewing these things as burdens, it means that we don't really appreciate what its depth really is. Meaning so. the, the, when we come to a true understanding of what the ideas and intentions behind every mitzvah is, there's only one way to actually view it as, as this is an opportunity. We need to work uh, on our kavana. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I'm so amazed. And uh, we, were, we were together, I think, Hanukkah time by Rabbi Neuberger. And he said something, there was a Shar, you know, get together. And he said something about Hanukkah, I forget exactly all the Torah, but he said that Hanukkah is about making sacrifices for Yiddishkeit. Messiris Nefesh. This is Messiris Nefesh. And I don't know if this is as much of a question as much as I, I'm in awe of the fact that you've made so many sacrifices to become, a, you know, a more Torah-focused uh 
operational yid. And I, I think there's a level of responsibility that we have to live up to the plate of asking ourselves what, you know, here we have to just listen to the amount of sacrifices that Zach had made. What are we sacrificing to make sure that, that, that we are appreciating and what are we giving up to make sure that we have a connection with Hashem? Um, so it's not a question, but it's just something that, that I really feel like I've gained um, f- from listening to your story. And, you know, I've seen, I've seen um, um, being a part of the Shar program, being able to share stories with people who grew up from, they've, I've seen pe- some people feel like uh, kind of discouraged because they don't have a, like a, a big story that can give chizik. They grew up in it and this and that, but the, it's far from the truth. The truth is if you search deep inside you, you'll find that there's so much chizik to who you are and where you've come from and what it takes to be where you're at and everything that Hashem does to, to make you who you are. And, and we really need to connect deep with that and, and recognize that the Torah it's not over here in, in Shemayim or over across the seas, but it's very near and close to you and it's in your mouth. And, and you can bring a lot of light and chizik to people all around you right now. You, you, you don't have to travel across the sea like I had to do. It was in my neighborhood. It was there. It was, there was a shul nearby I could have gone to. And, and we need people to, to bring the, the light of chizik in, in areas that's, that's needed because there could be a fellow Jew that needs the the words of Torah that you have, that you can share. I've, I've gained so much chizik, and I believe that the, the people who grew up from, they compliment us in such a beautiful way, the Balti Shuvas, and we compliment you, and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And we need to work together to, to bring out the, the, the chizik and light of Torah. Wow. Um, how did your family receive your decision to become more from, you know, I, I recognize that this is sometimes an area of contention, um, you know, trying to become from and then coming back to someone's house. And, and I recognize maybe in your story wasn't as relevant in certain levels, but what, what, what was the reception of kind of this transformation that you made to your, to your family, your friends? I, I definitely had it much easier than a lot of people that I've met on this journey. Um, for me, I'm very lucky. My, I mean, my my dad was very supportive because he he understood that I was connecting with my mom's roots and my roots essentially, and the fact that my mom passed away a few years ago, he was very 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 proud that I was connecting to my mom's roots and and my brother also he was always supporting me along the way the whole time and. And like I said, I have a small family, so there there are some family members that were very like kind of weirded out about it, and 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 I told judgmental, them, cynical. Yeah, I understand because they never they were never exposed to it. They never saw it. So mm-hmm. like even for me, it was weird. So I can only und- I could only understand that it would be weird for them. Mm-hmm. And um, are are you in touch with um, let's say any friends or people f- kind of from before you became from still? Not so much. Um, I, you know, I disconnected from Instagram and like all those platforms just so I could focus on, on learning because it's just a waste of time, honestly. And it's not that I don't care, care about these people. Um, and if I came across them, um, sometime down the, down the road, I'll be happy to, to be kind to them and, um, and just, you know, be, be a friend. 
So, but also knowing, recognizing that we have to set up boundaries and we have to protect ourselves. And that's with, that's with everyone. You know, we, we always have to be careful and, but yeah, I'm, I'm not so involved. And for me, that's a bracha. Right. And it's sad to say that, you know, you go grow up in a certain state. I, I could say I grew up in the state, you know, for 25 years, right? 20, 26 years. And I have more close friends in this neighborhood or people that I met on the journey than I ever gained in those 25 years. So it goes to show that the next half of your life or more can be more of a blessing. Like what you've experienced in life so far, it could get better and you could, things are always, they can always be brighter. Some people have mentioned this feeling of feeling alone in the process. Again, I, I think touching on what we're talking about of, you know, if you have family members or friends that are all living a different lifestyle and you're all of a sudden making a transformation, um, what would you say to someone who kind of feels alone in this journey? Um, you know, they know that they want it, but they feel alone in the process. Yeah. If you're feeling alone on this journey, the best thing that you can do is do your best to, to gravitate towards the warmth of Torah and the warmth of the Hevra. Find a, find a good friend find a good chavrusa and and find good connection to hashem in any way possible um, it's it's easy to you know shy away uh, i find myself shying away and um and feeling intimidated and feeling sometimes even that you you don't you're not on the same level as everyone so you so it's hard to connect that's a big thing. That's a, it could be a big struggle, but it's sometimes it's, it, it could be a big, a big lie. Um, it's definitely not MS that we don't belong because we are a part of Claudia Israel and we need to do our best to fight that, those type of thoughts and, and get connected. You fall down, you get back up. I love that you use Joey Newcomb's song. It's such a beautiful song. It's, it's brought so much chizik to many Bali Shuvas and to me personally. And it, it's that way. We have to keep getting back up because there's going to be times where it, it gets hard and we have to bounce back and we have to get connected and do our best to just keep keep coming back. Wow. Maybe you could speak a little bit about the value of having a, a mentor, a Rebbe, as you're kind of going through this this growth. For me, I, I've been lucky. I've been very lucky to have many great rabbis that have encouraged me along the way. Um, they they always pointed out the good in me. That I'm so I'm so lucky to to hear these words. Because coming from a place where you, you don't hear words of value or up, uplifting you, um, it's, it's like so nourishing. It, it's so important to even just sit at the feet, at the dust of, of the sages, the rabbis, the, just be close to, to these words because it's like being planted in the, the ground and being watered by, by the waters of Torah. It's whatever you have to do to just 
get close. It's easy to shy away, but to try to get planted and, and sit at the feet of, of the rabbis and, he, and hear Torah, it's so important. And whoever you connect to, just try your best to, to connect to a shear or, or reach out. And, and it, will be, it will enhance the growth much faster for you. Wow. Um, and and I, I think that, um, you know, there, there's more and more of these types of programs and opportunities to kind of be set up with someone. Um, and, and even if it's not a rabbi, but someone who just has been, you know, through this for a little bit more, I think in any area of life, if someone has a little bit more experience in something, they can give you, you know, certain elements or perspectives that you may not have. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why I want to speak to you. I'm gaining so much because I don't have your perspective and, uh, you know, gaining so much from that. Yes. When it comes to, and again, I, I, in your particular story, I'm not sure how relevant this is, but maybe you're aware from others, um, you know, entering the parsha of Shadokim. So, you know, sometimes as a Baal could be more difficult. You know, the, the dating realm is very, very different than the secular dating realm in terms of how relationships develop and, you know, are maintained and things like that. Uh, what, what advice or encouragement would you give to someone who's entering the, the dating realm as a Baal Yeah, um, you know, I've seen the discouragement of many because for Baal Shuvah, I don't... It's, it's, you know, you're taking someone who didn't grow up in this lifestyle and they have to learn it. They're like a baby, you know, we're, we're, we're like learning how to crawl and to, to speak, you know, and to, to grow and to become a mature, um, man in, in Judaism. It's, it's tough. And it's, um, I've seen that this could be one of the biggest battles that many face from the biggest advice that I can give on this is to have a Muna Batakan and Hashem because you never know. You never know uh, where it's going to come from, you know? Like, you never, I never thought I would be sitting here with Rabbi Ellie, and I never thought that I would be learning the Torah that I'm learning. And you didn't know you were going to meet a certain friend. So it could be tomorrow, you know. You can you can meet someone tomorrow, and it could be your shidduch b'shemayim, you know. And we don't we don't know what's planned for tomorrow. We just have to take it day by day, and and know that Hashem has orchestrated to to help us out. And and um, I was learning dafyomi with my friend Johnny Dozal, and. <laughs> It's amazing. Um, and Moed Katan, 18B3. And it says here, Every single day a heavenly voice emanates and declares, The daughter of so-and-so is destined for so-and-so. Such and such a field is destined for so-and-so. Since one's mate is predetermined, how can one man lose his pers- prospective bride to another? There's amazing uh, s- s- seeing uh, Gamora and Nita 16b states the angel appointed over conception is named Lila. It takes the drop from which the child will be conceived, sets it before the Holy One, blesses he, and says before him, Master of the universe, what will become of this drop? 
Will the person who develops from it be strong or weak, intelligent or foolish, rich or poor? And then at that moment, a, a man is assigned a wife. It is appropriate to determine the extent of the sustenance he will provide her and the family they create together. Although one's blessing in, in life is, are preordained, they are not realized unless one makes reasonable efforts to obtain them. See Chavos Halavos. Shara Betachan. I, uh, I fin- actually read that book. Shara, the Chavos uh, Love is such a beautiful book. Yeah. At, at Tile Bar. I, at, you know, we get 15 minute breaks. I go to read Musser. And it, it's such a positive thing to do, especially when you're around s- s- such a high volume like work environment. Mm-hmm. Just to get the right focus. I think that's what it is. We need the right focus. You see people, they're discouraged. They're going about their day and, 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 they're like, oh, is there a shidduch for me? I'm like, I'm 32 years old, Bali Tshuva. Like, how's, how am I? It's my time's up. Chas right? That's not true. We need to get our perspective and focus and shift right direction to Hashem. Hashem has a plan. We need to have a I, I love I love everything that you're saying. And again, I, I speak a lot about certain elements of challenge in shidduchim for those that are facing physical disabilities. Um but but I think that the the tool is the same, is that you need to recognize Emunah Mitachan. And I think your story of, of where you see how when Hashem wants you to be in the right place at the right time, He'll orchestrate anything that you need to get to get you ultimately to where you need to be. Um, it, it's a difficult challenge, but I think to hear it from you that that is the key to keep in perspective is something that's super, super powerful. Um as you look ahead to the future, you know, I'm, I'm so inspired by, you know, learning mustard during your 15 minute lunch break and, you know, just having davened with you, you know, Marv before, um, the, the transformation from living, you know, in Arizona, um, you know, as part of a, a, a gang, um, and, you know, battling your own, you know, alcoholism at a, at an early age and all the things that you've experienced to where you are now, it's, Nothing short of miraculous and, and remarkable, and I'm wondering what the future holds for you. What 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 do you envision? What are your goals for yourself? Um, what type of upbringing do you want for your family? You know. Wow. Well, it, it's sad to say that I never had time in my life to dream. I never had. <sighs> you know just barely, you know, making it out. Now I'm dreaming, you know, and it's delayed, but I'm here, you know, and I'm just now, you know, starting to believe in myself. So I'm hoping to, to grow and to uh, develop myself every day and, and my goal, my main goal is to um, have Devekis Hashem. And I think through that, being a support, supporter of Torah, you know, wealth, wealth is at one hand and, and honor at the other. And, 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 and you'll grow. And, and it's a tree of life. It's so much bracha. So, you know, I, I don't know it all, but I know who does and I want to be close to Hashem. And, and you know, it's remarkable that 
you know, often I, I go back and forth about thinking, should I be living here? Should I be living in Eretz Yisrael? And, uh, and I think that if I make this sacrifice today, right, then my children and grandchildren will thank me, you know, kind of for, for living in Eretz Yisrael because to grow, it, it's hard to make that shift to go there, but ultimately the next generations will be the beneficiaries. And you've made sacrifices that your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, you'll have future generations of those that are connected to Yiddishkeit because of the sacrifices that you made in your life. To me, that is amazing. And all of us have that ability to make sacrifices in our life so that the future generations that Amir Tzashem were Zohar to will be able to benefit from the sacrifices that we've made. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's an amazing, powerful thing that like we can take that which is dirty and and just filth, right? So it seems to be so bad. And we could turn take the Averas and turn it into a mitzvah. And and, and that that was a beautiful thing by like you know, by the chas, chasana that, you know, coming out of the marriage coming into the marriage and to, and um you know, starting new. It's like a day of Yom Kippur. And all the veras of the past that can become a bracha. When you connect to Hashem, you can take Hashem's judgment, like Yitzchak and 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 dive and dig deep within, and, and like like a, a pitchfork, just turn over that His judgment into mercy, His rachamim, mm-hmm. and and like you said beautifully, it's it's an amazing thing that we can cut. I can cut that. With Hashem's help, the the lifestyle that I grew up in, I could cut that off and remove that from me, and and live a life full of goodness. Unbelievable! So we're about to wrap up. We have just a couple of our typical wrap up questions here. Um, this has been eye opening, inspiring, and, and I don't think I'm the same person than than I was kind of when we started this. What are some of the misconceptions people have about um, the journey of becoming? About Shiva. Wow, it's it's a good question. Um, I I haven't really thought about it honestly. I, I really haven't. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I think the biggest misconception could be that it is said a lot that it is easier for us because um, you know everything is so fresh, right? So. In a sense, it's true. But in reality, we have the same challenges that that people who grew up from have as well. And, and when it comes to connecting to Hashem, like with true Kavana, we, we have the same battle, if not just as big, right? It's, it's true of both of us. So I think that's a misconception. I think... We need to fight, fight together. We need to give chizik to one another and build each other up and become one. And and there needs to be unity because um, sometimes it could be hard to connect to one one another when someone's on such a high level and and we're not there yet. It's like it reminds me of playing basketball at the park, like of being a little kid and wanting to play basketball with my my older brother Josh when I was little. And they they wouldn't let me play because you know I'm not I'm not with the big boys yet. Right. So 
you know, just just let us play, and and, and we'll we'll give you chizik, and and the, from what I've seen is from the the people that take the time to 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 kneel down and and give give us some Torah knowledge and and give us a boost. It's like I I I'm, imagine it like like a rocket, like they're reaching out and then I and then like the, we just soar together like shoot up together so that you think you're reaching down but really you're reaching up it's funny that you keep on like phrasing it as higher level lower lower level and things like that and kneeling down i, I view it the entire opposite <laughs> way I, I view that we need to try and climb to your level wow um, we need to try and 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 raise ourselves up to get to where you are it's fascinating i mean i I feel like looking around and and I see like people who who got it, you know, they they they're doing it, they've been doing it and and now I'm looking up to you all. Like I back in the day I used to look up to the OGs. Now I'm looking up to um the Gabbis. <laughs> <laughs> the original Gabbis. Calling the shots over here. Sure. What would you say is the hardest part about your journey? of becoming a Balchu, but what was, what was the hardest part? The hardest part would definitely have to be, um, def- most definitely would have to be giving all of myself to, to the Hebra, um, to, um, Kahila, like just to, to go to the shul. Um, I, I definitely shy away a lot. Like, I'm very timid. I know like I came from like this, this upbringing, but I am very like a timid person, like uh, shy. I'm not so outspoken. And so definitely for me, it would be like going out there and just connecting with every single yid. I can't say that I'm great at that. And I wish I was. Um, And I hope to work on it and, and be able to just accept my my image like look to really like know like t- to just really understand that where i'm at on my level is it's good enough where i'm at and and to just go out there with who i am mm-hmm. well um what have you learned from this life-changing experience for you wow. i'm sure there's so many lessons but if you could give us one I've learned that every moment is precious, that every second Hashem is recreating every moment and that you can't let life just pass you by. You know, I didn't know that like growing up, it's, I used to sleep into like 6 PM. I was depressed. I used to, you know, come home late at night, drop the, my backpack off as a kid come home really early in the morning like, and then sleep the whole day till like 6 p.m. And now it's like every moment is, is, is a moment that Hashem has given you an opportunity to connect with Him and, and for you to, you can learn Torah and every word of Torah that you learn is such a high value and, and that you can work on yourself and that you could you could experience change and that 
Torah is like an Asia all-consuming fire that changes you. Like your whole essence, like it could remove things from your life that you you always struggled with and then no longer become a, a thing like a, a weight on your shoulder. You can you can really have a lot of progress in this. And and then that comes with connecting to Hashem and and giving your best because we we have to we have to put in the shadowless. Make a clea to Hashem, but Hashem will provide everything you need to pinpoint every spot in your life that needs direction. Well, uh, what can, what can people, society at large, right? They they see someone that's going through this transformation, you know, trying to to become more observant. What can we as a society do to help? new newcomer you know people people who i not newcomers but you know people who are returning to to where they you know where they want to be yeah um i i would say definitely make an effort to try to to meet them where where we're at because um it's like if you're teaching a you're a teacher in middle school so not every kid's on the same level. Like you have to adjust. So we have to adjust accordingly to each individual person. And if we don't, then that means we're not connecting to each individual. So we, we do have to make that effort. And, and, and that's not so easy. And it takes a lot of time and, and it doesn't, it's not always practical. Like if you have a, a class, if you have a school and you're the teacher of the class, and there's people on the level of sixth grade, and then there's people on the level of kindergarten. You can't give the same assignment. So it's not fair to just give the same assignment and expect, you know, the same results from both people. That's why, you know, the Talmud Chachams, like, they realize the need for us to translate the, the words of Hebrew, Aramaic into English. And it's such a bracha. And we, there's a great advantage to that. So... Similarly, we have to always be aware of this. I, I felt like there was one time at Shor Yashav where uh, it was it was on Shavuos, and I joined the Tehillim class with the little kids. I sat with them, and I was saying, you know, Tehillim with them because that's my level. I mean, these kids are just as good as me, and and that's where I'm at. And um, it's like Rabbi Akiva, you know, and and if you if you give that type of attention you let you let people you give them that opportunity who knows what could come from that you can sprout a beautiful tree and it's remarkable that you you know so often we're we're we have pride and we you know i could very much see it being realistic that I don't want to, you know, go sit with the, you know, the second graders that they're learning Aleph Bays. I'm a 20 such <laughs> and such year old guy. And there's such a level of humility in being able to say, no, I can gain from here. And I don't care what people say because I'm seeking truth. And again, I don't even know how you attain that, but it's, uh, it, it's remarkable. Um, just in closing, I want you to speak to people who are navigating this challenge. Uh, I don't know if I even want to call it a challenge, but they're, they're going through this journey. They, 
they they know that they're Jewish, they feel that they're Jewish, and they want to reconnect, but it seems scary to them. It seems like they're, it's too hard. There's so much to give up. Uh, what type of chizik can you give? I think you're most qualified to just kind of having gone through this and made sacrifices to get to where you are. What chizik would you give them? I would definitely say that things aren't always the way they seem, that you might have preconceived ideas and you might have thoughts of why you shouldn't get connected and you might be you have you might have your worries but you you're convinced by the fact that your your neshama is telling you and, and elevating to to something bigger and greater and once you get a taste and once you once you tr- draw close to the fire of torah you're going to elevate and you're you're going to connect to Hashem in, in such a high way that you're you're gonna find your 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 purpose here and you're gonna be so illuminated your your life is you're just gonna be your mind's gonna open up to to the light of this life which which is now it feels it feels like you're missing something there's a hole that's because we need to fill with with the light of Torah. Zach, this was an absolute privilege and honor, um, and I I can't wait to to continuing our relationship together and to learning so much that there is to learn from you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. It's an honor, and I, I'm really happy that you're my friend. Okay, all the best. Wow, what an incredible incredible story! Thank you so much to Zach for sharing his journey with us. And like I had mentioned in the beginning of this episode, we have a update on the story that took place after the recording. Zach wanted me to share that Baruch Hashem, we want to wish a huge, huge mazel tov to Zach and his wife Hannah on the birth of a baby boy. The bris Amir Tashem is going to be taking place after the release of this episode. But we here at the Rolling with the Punches family would like to wish Zach and his wife Hannah a tremendous Mazel Tov. They should be Zocha to be Megadlo Lator Lachupa Masim Tovim and to be Machnisa Babriso Shal Apram Avinu. What a lucky child to have such amazing, terrific parents. And it's amazing to think about the sacrifices that Zach made in his life and how that is responsible for the fact that his son is going to be entered into a from lifestyle of Torah mitzvos. Thank you so much and I hope you guys have an amazing week. Hey everyone, we hope you gained from this show. If you did, please subscribe, share, and leave us a five-star review. It really helps get our work out there. If you or someone you know would like to appear on the show to represent a particular challenge, or if you have questions or comments, email us at rollingwiththepunchespodcast at gmail.com. To partner with us or to sponsor an episode, you can also email us at rollingwiththepunchespodcast at gmail.com. This show is available wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to submit your questions for upcoming episodes. A quick disclaimer, all information exchanged on the show is intended for educational and support purposes only. This information should not be considered treatment or medical advice. You must always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. 
always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified mental health providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or mental disorder. A quick thank you and a big shout out to Joey Newcomb for letting us use his song, You Fall Down, You Get Back Up. <laughs>